You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday, where we finally, finally, it's been since Saturday, know who the Pelicans will be playing in the second round of the playoffs. Well, at least we know it officially because it's always and going to have been the Golden State Warriors. So we're going to start our previews with this. We're going to run down a few things with this team so far concerning the defensive scheme, things like that. Talk a little bit more about it. But unfortunately, there was some other news from yesterday that we need to kind of dive into and discuss, even though this is something I wanted to save for the offseason. And that's what do the Pelicans do about the DeMarcus Cousins re-signing situation? What a factor, whatever you want to call it. That's something that Zach Lowe threw out there in a very well-written article that laid out both sides and showed why this is potentially a difficult decision for the Pelicans to make. So we're going to talk about that because we don't really have a choice anymore, and I was asked about it a number of times yesterday. And then also touch on a couple of other things regarding this team, including the ticket snafu that happened. So all of that in more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So I'm going to preface this by saying before we dive into all of this that Zach Lowe is the absolute best NBA writer on the planet right now and it's not even close in my opinion and his article was extremely fair and balanced in this and I can tell you for a fact that there were zero, zero factual inaccuracies in this. So he lays out basically why the Pelicans might want to consider not re-signing DeMarcus Cousins and refers to it as an elephant in the room. And I don't think it's an elephant in a room because one, I've been asked by this by literally every radio and TV show that I've been on over the past two months or so. And that's basically been all of them. If you guys hear me, you know I'm on basically every radio station here in New Orleans and around Southern Louisiana. So uh, you know, it's one of those things where this is on people's minds. I get asked questions by this one. I'm out with just people who want to talk. So this is something that people are really worried about considering. And when you look at this injury that DeMarcus Cousins is coming off of, and this is really the crux, I think, of what Zach Lowe laid out there, that they don't, people don't come back from this injury nearly as good as they were, 80% at best. And we've never seen this really happen in a big man of this caliber. This just doesn't happen a lot in the NBA, really, is what it appears to be. And so I think that's kind of an issue here. Um, so that being said, can you commit a five-year max deal that's going to pay Cousins in the final year of that contract $45 million? And I still say that you can. So Lowe basically says because of that injury risk and because of how well this team has been playing, it, it doesn't necessarily look like DeMarcus Cousins fits and maybe you want to use that savings you get by not re-signing him to avoid paying the luxury tax or to work on a sign-in trade where you can add more salary instead of running up against the hard cap. Different things like that, though there's not a ton of flexibility there, there's still a little bit more so than if you gave him a big money deal. And he points to a couple of stats that I think are very telling regarding this. He looks at Davis and Cousins lineups. They have a net rating of plus about four and a half. 
And if you want to have an elite championship caliber team, you usually need to have a positive net rating of at least six. That's kind of the magic number there. So this team's close when they have Davis and Cousins out on the court together. Then he looks at the Davis and Miritich combination and the combination of lineups with that that basically have a net rating of like plus 14 or something like that. Basically absurd. And it's been, you know, a decent sample size for this because, you know, these guys have gotten significant minutes together and that starting lineup's been starting every game over the past nine or so. So I think this is one of those things where you look at this lineup, you realize it's playing really, really well. You could add more pieces to it and maybe you come out as a deeper team than you would have otherwise if you had just been re-signing DeMarcus Cousins Look, and that's completely fair. This lineup has been killing it. We saw it in the sweep of the uh, Portland Trailblazers, and maybe that has to do with just the matchup being right. And we saw them win five games to end the regular season against quality competition, including a win over the Golden State Warriors. And they've been a bit of a buzzsaw, and they've been a buzzsaw all year when you've gotten them together and they're playing at this level. But I think that net rating and looking at this lineup as kind of the be-all, end-all is a little bit misleading maybe by just looking at the net rating and some of the on-off numbers because one this lineup's playing this well because Anthony Davis is playing at a higher level than we've ever seen from him before imagine him playing at this level and then being out there with DeMarcus Cousins well that net rating of four and a half almost certainly would be higher in this case and I don't know if that's necessarily the most fair thing to compare them to same with Drew Holiday who needed to find himself a little bit more before becoming that elite player that we've seen over the final month or two of the regular season and the opening round of the NBA playoffs. So that's a big thing there with it to me. The sample size isn't as large as it is with Cousins, and who knows what different factors might change. You also need to look at it in terms of DeMarcus Cousins won't be coming back fully healthy. He's likely not going to play on back-to-backs. I can't imagine he'd be getting over 30 minutes per game uh, once he returns, uh, and it might not even be at the start of the year. By the way, he had an interview with Jen. Hale saying rehab is going incredibly, incredibly well. So we all expect him to make a recovery, whether you want to call it full or not. He'll be back at some point and he'll be playing basketball for this team, though, that's for sure. So, with all that said, now imagine a team that has Mirtich coming off the bench for the Pelicans or someone where he's starting and then DeMarcus Cousins is coming off the bench because that might also be what it's going to what what might occur. So now all of a sudden instead of having to stagger Davis and Cousins and keep one of them on the court always, you can keep Davis out there and have him playing with one of Cousins or Mirtich at all times. That's pretty perfect when you think about it and exactly what you want to see from this team going forward because now you can maximize two different styles of play and maybe blend them together and you've got to wonder if this style this super duper fast style of play that the Pelicans could keep that up throughout the course of a regular season we haven't seen teams play that fast at least for a little bit with what they were doing in years and years and years and I don't know if you can necessarily keep that going through an 82 game season but maybe you could ride that wave of momentum after the DeMarcus Cousins injury the other thing is is, yeah, maybe they have some more uh, flexibility if you don't re-sign DeMarcus Cousins, but it doesn't really matter because you don't have that much more, and I think that's a big issue there too. At a certain point, you need to keep just talent on the team, and re-signing DeMarcus Cousins, even if he's 80% of what he was, is certainly better than 0% of DeMarcus Cousins, even because then you don't have that 20 to $30 million that you'd be paying him uh, to go out and spend in free agency. So if you just want to keep t- uh, uh, talent on the roster just from that perspective alone, you're going to end up doing it. 
One of the things Lowe goes into in this article is talking about how in years from now, it could be one of those kind of albatrosses of a contract. Albatry? Anyway, it's a bad contract if he doesn't come back and play well. And I, to that, I'd basically say it, it doesn't matter. If you sign him for a two- or three-year deal, which is what he claims the Pelicans might be offering him or thinking about offering, and we'll go into that briefly at the end of this and why I think maybe that's a smart, it's the smart idea to do that that could potentially really backfire. But here's the thing. You're not looking five years down the line right now. Right now, it's all about getting Anthony Davis to sign another contract with this team. If DeMarcus Cousins come back, comes back and isn't good, this team likely isn't going to be making much noise in the playoffs, and maybe that leads Anthony Davis to leaving. And then who gives a shit three, four, five years down the line whether you can move that Cousins contract or not because you're being full-on rebuild anyway and you were going to be bad, and it's almost better to have that dragging you down so you're not trading away future first-round picks and things like that, and you can go through maybe a, a, a process or Philly-like rebuild and that would be a better situation. And then if he does come back, great. You have more talent around Anthony Davis. Maybe you get him to sign that long-term extension, the third, the mythical third contract for an NBA star to re-sign with his current team, which isn't easy to do. And then Cousins is still good during that period of time. You're overpaying him, yes, but you were likely going to be in cap hell anyway during that stretch. So who really cares? You've kept Davis. You have Cousins. You have Holiday. And all of a sudden, these guys are playing particularly well together. And hey, cool. We're happy. Maybe you don't win a title, but maybe you have a grit and grind Memphis type situation, which you guys know, I think was a big success. So I think that's maybe also the way you look at it. I don't care about five years down the line because if Anthony Davis isn't here in five years, well, this team's going through a rebuild anyway, and it ultimately doesn't matter to me. So the contract stuff, yeah, look, it makes more sense to offer him a two plus one, kind of one of those prove yourself deals. But if you're DeMarcus Cousins, you don't want that shit. You want as much financial and job securities you can get coming off of this type of injury and Cousins knows that and again there's always the Anthony Davis factor maybe you piss him off if you do that and he doesn't want that and a team comes in and offers him five years maybe it's less money annually but those those extra years because they're guaranteed dollars might loom large I worry about the Lakers missing out on every big name out there needing to kind of make their fan base happy and then coming in with a big money deal for DeMarcus Cousins you've got the Mavericks as well who might be doing something like that I think they are a team might be a run Aaron Gordon too from Orlando is what I think but they kind of put some weird rosters together maybe DeMarcus Cousins when they have a history of signing guys coming off of these injuries in West Matthews is the one for them and all it takes is one team to drive that price up for the Pelicans and almost assuredly they don't want to let him walk so I think that's really one of the big things here that do they consider this do they not I can guarantee you internally they've run through all scenarios they've run through if they re-sign him to a max deal and he plays well or he doesn't play well they've run it through if they sign him to a two plus one what happens there and they've kind of run through and gamed out the scenarios if you let him walk what might the effect be there they do projections on stats in the future they have an idea of what demarcus cousins will produce when he comes back they have an idea of what they could get without demarcus cousins and replacement players there as well and they've run through all of this so you know this pelicans front office is going to make the most sound decision and the one that makes the most sense for them with a ton of factors involved in this. 
So that's the quick version of my take on that and why, again, you should just end up doing this and re-signing him if you really want the too long, didn't read version of it, too long, didn't listen version of it. And we'll talk about this more when we get towards the offseason. Wasn't expecting to have to talk about this today. Don't forget, though, Locked On NBA is five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm on there every Wednesday co-hosting, recapping what's going on. It was a fun night of games. We finally found out the Pelicans' second-round opponent. And trust me, you guys, I made just throw so much Pelicans love in there with those kind of little things things like that. Finally, teams join the Pels in the second round. So make sure you listen to Locked On NBA. There's also some guys who maybe played their last games and we reminisce about them a little bit. Ginobili, Parker, uh, Dwayne Wade, are they all done in the NBA? Talk about those guys on there too. So make sure you give a listen to Locked On NBA. So before getting to the Warriors, let's touch on the, the the ticket snafu, the season ticket snafu here with the Pelicans and what happened yesterday and why you guys actually do need to know about this a little bit. And when we, there's still a couple things we're not entirely sure of. So what happened was after the Pelicans clinched, they sent out a pre-sale to season ticket holders who are allowed to, and partial season ticket holders, who are allowed to buy extra playoff tickets before the general public does. It's one of the perks of having season tickets. And you got a pre-sale code to do that. You go to ticket master wherever it is you put in that code and then you can buy tickets once it goes live well that code got out into the wild and ticket brokers and scalpers snapped up 7500 tickets out there and then immediately flooded the secondary market seat geek StubHub and the places like that driving up the price and basically meaning if you wanted to go to this game you were shit out of luck unless you were going to pay an absurd amount on one of the secondary market for it and this wasn't ideal it's not what the Pelicans wanted and it was kind of weird to see before tickets had generally gone on sale that something like 8,000 tickets were up for sale on the secondary market it doesn't seem right does it so what they ended up doing is kind of taking a look at who bought tickets during this pre-sale window, running it against the list of season ticket holders. And if you were a season ticket holder and you bought those tickets, you're good. Your tickets are still valid. But every other person had their tickets invalidated. So if you gave the code to a friend, something like that, their tickets are no longer good. If you're a scalper, you're kind of a shitty person and your tickets no longer work too. So that kind of fixed things here. The Pelicans blame this on unprecedented demand for playoff tickets, which makes sense. They're in the second round playing the defending champions. Um, in what's going to be a real big matchup for this team. Uh, You know, you could argue this is maybe the biggest um, uh, playoff series, there we go, for this franchise ever maybe, even though maybe it was bigger when you had those really good Chris Paul teams. But anyway, so that was kind of the issue here. It flooded the secondary market. It was going to keep fans from really being able to get to the game. And now my big question was, if you can't get tickets on this pre-sale or through the regular sale or you want some other seats, Is it safe to go to StubHub, SeatGeek, and those places and buy tickets? And that's a huge concern. And, you know, in the email the Pelicans released talking about this, they said that, you know, they're contacting those ticket websites to try and take down those listings of that are going to be invalidated tickets. But now when you go out and buy this stuff, you're concerned that tickets aren't going to work and you're going to be spending a lot of money on these. These are going to be expensive. Let's not lie here. And I think that's a really bad thing. You're trying to build a fan base and keep people engaged. And look, a deep playoff run, you build fans for life on this. Getting into the second round, if you're competitive against Golden State, people will remember this forever. And it might be their first real time. They get a taste of how fun this team is and how enjoyable it is going to games so there's 
a concern that this can harm you and it's, you know, you had one job to do and this is how it happened. The Pels are fixing it now by you get a one-time use uh, code individually to be able to go to Ticketmaster and buy tickets. So you can't really give that away. So I think that's going to be one of the big things you'll see going forward is now what the hell happens with the, the, the tickets being sold and does this cause an issue where people don't end up making it and hopefully that's not going to be the case because... Man, I think this is one of those things where you have a real great opportunity to build fans for a long period of time, and you got to make sure it's dead on right, and hopefully this is all under control. But man, it was just not a well-done setup by the team here when it came to playoff tickets. So before we start to touch on Golden State, we're not going to dive that deep into it today. We're really going to dive deep into it the next couple of days here. We'll probably have a bonus podcast or two as well. Don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com daily. Articles up there constantly. And if you're not a normal Pelicans fan and you're just here because this team has been kind of fun and you want to know a little bit more about them, we got an article up there saying this is why you need to jump on the bandwagon for the Pels. We got If you're a fan of another team that's not in the playoffs, we got you covered with reasons why for every single one of them so make sure you go read that over at lockedonpelicans.com so the pelicans now have their second round opponent we always knew it was going to be the golden state warriors it just wasn't official until they finally took care of business in five games against the san antonio spurs last night we get some maybe redemption for the 2015 playoffs when the warriors swept new orleans out of there in the first round and this is definitely a different team facing the warriors and the warriors Maybe still going to be without Steph Curry. Curry's been out since uh, for about five weeks or so now, I think is what it is. Almost a month, a little bit over, with a sprained MCL in his left knee. And they're trying to kind of figure everything out with him. And he was recently listed as day-to-day. I'm expecting he'll be back for game two at the latest, if not game one of this series. But the big question there is going to be, is he as effective as he normally is? We've seen the Warriors show some vulnerability. Some, not a lot, in years past without Curry in the lineup or when he's not 100%. If he's playing at 75 to 80, he can definitely not be as impactful on games as we've seen before. So that's basically, if you're a Pelicans fan, what you're hoping for. Otherwise, this is going to be a tough matchup. But with a couple of days to prepare, maybe the Pelicans come up with a defensive game plan that can kind of slow down this Warriors team. No one's really been able to find a way to do it, but one of the keys to always doing that is a dominant big man down low. And well, with Anthony Davis playing like he is, that definitely has to give you some hope, Pelicans fans. Defensively, the Pelicans are going to need to do something different than what they did against Portland. That offense is heavily run through Lillard and McCollum and those guys creating on their own. And if you try and trap in the backcourt here against the Warriors and force the ball out of their hands, well, one, they're great at making those kind of passes, and then they're great at making other passes. So it's not like the ball hits one of those other guys and they just stop and don't really know what to do, which we kind of saw a little bit in that Portland series. All of a sudden, Steph Curry passes the ball, hits Kevin Durant, who then passes it again. You saw a pocket pass after pocket pass in this game last night against the San Antonio Spurs, and that will definitely beat a trap every single time. So all of a sudden, the Pelicans need to change their game plan defensively and what worked so well and find a way to kind of come up with a way to stop this Warriors offense. The Warriors like to play in transition, meaning you can't play bad basketball against them. You turn the ball over, they're going to get out and run. They're a sound defensive team ranking. Where is it? I got to pull up the stats. 
um, in the top 10. There we go. They're ranking 10th uh, in defensive ranking. So they're still very sound there. They'll make you pay, particularly if you make a mistake. So all of a sudden, the Pelicans can't have those unforced errors that we saw at times against the Portland Trailblazers, though you saw them really, as that series went on, cut that down and limit those mistakes that didn't give Portland easy chances to score. We saw that in Game 3 potentially be an issue for a little bit in there, and particularly in Game 2 when that one was closer than maybe you would have liked it to have been. Another area this Golden State team is vulnerable is on the glass. They are the 22nd ranked offensive rebounding team, so the Pelicans don't really need to worry about second chance points as much. The problem partially with that too is Golden State hits a lot of their shots. They're number one in three-point percentage again. You know, they're number one in overall field goal percentage, uh, and they're number one in two-point shooting percentage. So they shoot the ball well all around. They have the highest e-field goal percentage in the league, and when you're doing that, who cares if you don't get offensive boards? Defensively, though, they're not great on the glass. They're the 25th-ranked team there, meaning the Pels can get a lot of second-chance opportunities, particularly if you have Anthony Davis down low. So key in this series is getting him the rock down low, not getting him mid-range jumpers. You don't necessarily want him taking a ton of threes, though he's been shooting that well kind of in the playoffs so far. But if you can get him the ball down low, if he misses, he has a chance to grab his own miss. You can have Miritich hit the glass as well. And the Pelicans do want to try and get back in transition and you know defend as much as possible and get back on shots and get their defense set to take away those transition opportunities, it might be better, at least if you're struggling to score at times, to decide to hit the offensive glass anyway because that might be how this team can get back in a game in the series when it looked like they were going to be out of it. But ultimately, this is going to come down to the Pels' defense and can they find a way to slow down this Golden State attack, particularly when Curry's back and they don't want to get into a three-point shootout with this team. I think you might see them run a similar defensive style to what they've done against Houston this year, run these guys off the three-point line, funnel them on the inside to Davis and Miritich down low and let those guys play help defense and take away the rim and at least force them weird contested looks at the rim or maybe mid-range jumpers, even though they're good at hitting mid-range jumpers, still better than an open three in my opinion. I think that might be what you see this team try and do. Some of the guys, and we'll dive into this more as the week goes on, you know, Draymond Green's not been the same Draymond Green as he has in years past. He's not hitting the three ball well. Maybe try and make him beat you is obviously going to be one of the keys to it. He's shooting 30.1% from deep this season. His defense has slipped a little bit. There's maybe some vulnerability there, though he still has good size length quickness to be able to handle Anthony Davis a little bit. I think you'll see that. If Steph Curry's out, this opens it up a little bit more for you to, say, put Drew on Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson that way. I think that's definitely going to be a good thing. I think if Curry's hot, you're going to throw Holiday on there, but I think you might see more or defend him the majority of the time and just kind of know you're going to concede that matchup. Curry's, uh, Thompson's going to get his, but if you can at least slow him down and make him inefficient, it can potentially take Golden State out of a rhythm. So there's a lot of things we're going to look at with this series. Like I said, just a quick preview here for you. But finally, we know game one, Saturday on the road, likely going to be a night game, but we don't have that just set and then we don't know the rest of the series after that. But second round of the playoffs are upon us, and it is an exciting time if you're a Pelicans fan. 
So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Yes, they do want to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins. It's not really a question in my opinion, but go read that Zach Lowe article if you haven't. He does really lay out both sides of it very fairly. Again, no inaccuracies in there, and I think it kind of gives you a good idea of why the Pelicans might not look to do this. And get ready for the playoffs. We'll have crossover podcast guests on as well. This is going to be a lot of fun. So a lot more coming on Locked on Pelicans. Make sure you subscribe so you get the podcast when they come out, particularly if we got some bonus episodes. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.